Welcome back to Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I'm the host of the podcast, and we are continuing a series of podcasts. You may already know this, but in case you do not, if you're new to the podcast, I'm doing a series where I'm answering questions from my Sunday sermons each week. So our church is in a series called Did God Really Say? where we are addressing some of the most controversial topics of our day, not all of the most controversial subjects, but some of them. And we're, we're tackling them on Sundays, but I've said I'm not going to be able to address every point you want me to in a sermon, in one sermon. So I'm inviting you to ask questions. So you can, you can listen to the sermon each Sunday. And then that Wednesday following each Sunday sermon, I'll release a podcast episode where I answer questions that you can send to me via email at kennyroberts at missionwaychurch.org. You can send those in. And, and let me say this, um, as I answer questions each week, let's say I answer your question but I don't do a good job of answering it, or I didn't answer it in the way that you were thinking and hoping, um, send me a follow-up question and say, hey, I asked this question and I didn't really get the kind of answer I was I was looking for. Could you parse that out a little bit more? Give me some specifics. And what I'll do is then I will actually take the first part of next week's episode and correct, um, not, maybe not necessarily correct, but to further expand upon the answers to those questions. So I hope that's helpful as well because... I'm getting some of these questions and they're great questions, but I I still am only going to take a few minutes on each one. And I may not say what you were hoping to hear from me. I may not answer it in the exact way you were kind of asking it. Um, I'm doing my best, but I am human. So I would love you to give me the grace to ask me a follow-up question. I will not be offended by that at all. I would love it if you would give me some more clarification if I don't do a good enough job answering that question. So let's jump in. Um, this week's topic was homosexuality. And we got some great questions that came in, some really hard questions. Some of them are related to each other. Um, so I'm going to do my best to, 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 to answer these as best I can. Somebody said, we always say, hate the sin, not the sinner. Love everyone. And before I answer the question, let me pause and say, amen. We, we are called God is very clear throughout the scriptures that he hates sin. Um, and we are to love the sinner um, in the sense that we are to extend the love of Christ by being willing to speak the truth in love, by being willing to love even our enemies, Jesus says. So yes, we are called to love everyone. We're never, we're not given permission in the scriptures to, to just pick and choose who we extend the love of Christ to. We are called to love everyone, even our enemies. Um, so yes, we are to hate sin and that, that's a part of this series that's so difficult for people to grasp because sometimes we, we tie someone's sin to who they are. And, and if there's any sin that does that, it's, it's homosexuality. People describe this as their identity. And so it feels to them as though you're attacking them when you, when you say that what they're doing is sinful and that's not what we're trying to do. And this is what we need to be clear with people about. We are not attacking you as a person. I'm not trying to attack your identity. I'm actually trying to say that you're finding your identity in the wrong place and you need to find it in Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I really wanted to comment on that line. So here's the question. How do families accept or help their child who has decided they are homosexual or a different gender? Um, how do you help them? And there's a lot of questions along these lines, so I'll, I'll mention all the questions and try to answer them with different nuances as we go. How do, how do families accept or help their child who has decided they're homosexual or a different gender? We'll talk about transgenderism specifically this coming Sunday. 
Um, so I'll, my, my answer will probably primarily focus on homosexuality here, and I'll maybe try to tackle more of the transgenderism angle next week. But a lot of this will be very similar, no matter which side um, they fall on. So you need to be, be willing to listen. Um, you need to be willing to love them enough to not just simply speak and not just simply condemn. Um, you need to be willing. I said on Sunday several times that a Christian is someone who should never be the one to walk away from relationships. And that especially includes our children. So if your child comes to you and shares this with you, you should say something like, thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for trusting me enough to bring this to me. Right. In many ways, we would handle this a lot like if they confessed any kind of sin to you right now in this instance, they may not think they're confessing a sin, but you know, in your mind, that's what they're doing. Right. And so be willing to say, thank you for, for being vulnerable enough and, and trusting me enough to say this to me. Um, listen, ask questions. I think in most scenarios, you should be willing to listen way before you speak, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Right. Um, that is absolutely true here as well. When your immediate reaction is to jump to a point of condemnation, then it's very likely that you're just going to shut off any opportunity that you have in the future for them to listen to you. But when they know that even if you disagree with them, even if you think what they're doing is sinful, when they know that you love them and you've shown your love to them by listening to them, by asking them questions, trying to get to the heart of the issue and find out what's going on, what got you to this point, why do you feel this way, um, you know, have have there been any moments in your life where you've questioned this before now? I mean, just ask any question you can think of. Try to get to the bottom of it. Don't assume that you know everything. That's important here too, especially with your kids. Don't, when they come to you with this, don't just kind of dismiss it and say, oh yeah, well that's probably because of X, Y, and Z. No, listen, ask them. Ask them for their answers to these questions. And yes, be willing to speak the truth to them. Be honest with them and saying to them, I love you. I will always love you. I will never walk away as your parent. I will always be your mom. I will always be your dad. I will always be there for you. Um, I need you to know that I cannot accept this sin. Um, just like I can't accept any sin that I believe you would commit. I can't accept this. That doesn't mean I don't accept you. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. And the truth is, that may not be a good enough answer for them. And one of the most painful parts of this is the fact that they may still choose to say, if you can't accept this part of me, then you can't accept me. And I can't imagine the gut-wrenching, painful experience that would be. But I think sometimes in an effort as parents to make sure that we love our kids and we never push them away, sometimes we can not tell them the truth. And Part of our job as parents is to tell them the truth, to point them to the truth, to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It doesn't mean you kick them out of the house. It doesn't mean that they're not welcome. It just simply means that you're saying, I, I can't give approval to something that, that God does not give approval to. I, I, can't, I can't love something that is evil. I love you. I love I love that you're my child. I love the relationship that we have, and I don't want that to change, but I want you to know where I stand in this issue. I think it's unloving to not make clear where you stand. I think it's unloving to never say that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you must always say that in the very first conversation. Maybe the very first conversation is that you listen, and then you come back around to a second conversation and say, hey, I really wanted to listen and to think about what you shared with me. Um, now, would you allow me to share some things with you? 
and then sit down with them and say, can, can we talk about what I think the Bible says about this? I also think the conversation is going to be slightly different based on whether or not your child claims to be a believer. If they claim to be a believer in Christ, then the conversation's going to probably need to focus more on you saying to them, okay, you claim to believe in Jesus. Can we talk about what Jesus says about this? Are you, are you willing and interested to hear what the Bible actually says about these things? Um, and then if they're an unbeliever, if they don't claim to, to believe in Christ, then the conversation is not going to be so much focused on what does Jesus say about homosexuality. I think you can still talk about that, but the conversation should actually primarily focus on let's, let's make sure you understand the gospel first and foremost. Now, do that with your believing children and unbelieving children, but I think hopefully you see the distinction there that if they claim to know Christ and they claim to understand the gospel, then, then you should say, okay, if, if you're in Christ, then you should want to do what he says. Can we talk about what he says? But if you're not in Christ, then, then the most important thing for me, for you is not that you agree with me about homosexuality. The most important thing is that you know, Jesus, right? And then you're going to trust Jesus to do the work in their hearts, um, of convicting them of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job as a parent is not to convict your children of sin. Your job as a parent is to point them to Christ, to point them to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. That is the Holy Spirit's job. You know, this is a difficult question to answer for so many reasons. One of them being everybody's different and, and that's an obvious statement, but, but everybody needs you. Every child is going to need their parent to have this conversation in a slightly different way. The content and the truth is going to be the same or should be the same across the board. But I think every child is going to hear things in a different way. And you know your child better than anybody else does, typically. So you should think about, how do I need to say this so that they will listen to me? Um, I'm going to talk more about how to deal with family members and friends and coworkers on these conversations. So um, this is not the end of answering this question. But because we have more questions like that, I'm going to kind of pause here um, and move on to um, another question here. Somebody said, um, what about adult children who have chosen to live with a homosexual partner? So it's not just a child living under your roof that says to you, I, I think that I'm attracted to the same sex, but it's now somebody who's an adult child and they have a partner. Maybe even um, they go out and they um, get married by the state. Um, and, and I don't believe that homosexual marriage is legitimate marriage before the Lord, but I'm going to use the term married um, just for clarity purposes. If they go out and they get married to their homosexual partner, um, what do you do? Um, how, how do you respond to that? This person's asking, do I just flat out reject their partner, right? This is now the question is, how do you react to the person that they are with uh, more so than asking for the child itself, himself or herself. Um, I, you don't reject them. I, I hope that we all as Christ followers would know that we are to even love our enemies, as I've already said, right? So you don't reject them. Um, would you allow them to family functions, for example? I, I think that within reason, sure. Um, but I, again, I think that it's your responsibility to a degree as a parent to be willing to have this conversation. Maybe you start with your child and you say, Hey, would the two of you be willing to sit down with me so that we can clear the air so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page with what, what I think. Um, most importantly, that we're all on the same page that you know, that I love you most importantly, that you know, that, that I want what's best for you as my child. And I even want what's best for this person that you're with. Um, but I, I don't want there to be an elephant in the room. 
I, I don't want there to be this question of what am I really thinking? I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I love you enough to make sure that the person that you're with knows the truth about where we stand on this issue. And listen, I don't have any tips or tricks to make this an easy conversation. It's, it's not. And the reality is whether it's a child, a parent, a coworker, a neighbor, these are going to be really, really hard conversations. And there's no real across the board answer. Like at this time with this tone of voice and do this in this way, say these words, there's no magic formula here. These are relationships and relationships are messy and relationships take discernment to figure out, right? So pray in all of these things. And and just about every question I'm about to answer today, the first and foremost thing you should be doing is praying and asking the Lord for wisdom. Um, the Lord is clear. When we ask him for wisdom, he gives it to us and he gives it to us clearly through his word. Study the word of God in these things, figure out how you should be talking, how you should be acting, how you should be speaking the truth in love. So no, I don't believe you outright reject it. Um, there, there's deeper questions here about would you attend, um, a, a wedding ceremony of your child who's married to a homosexual partner. And, and I know people who are, all over the map on this issue for different reasons. And while I don't have a Bible verse that says thou shalt not attend a homosexual wedding, um, I do think that there's clear scriptural principles that we're not supposed to give approval to things that we believe are sin. And this is probably one of the hardest things you would ever do in your life, but this is my opinion based on the principles I see in scripture that I, 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 I don't think that that's right for a Christian to do. And I think you should have that conversation very, very humbly, very, very clearly, um, and, and, and letting them know how hard that is for you, how much that would tear you apart. Um, but at the same time, it's not something that you can, you can give approval to. Um, there's so much more to be said about that. That question actually wasn't specifically asked, but I imagine it's on the minds of some people. Um, I think that we've, we've got to be really, really clear about this uh, issue. When we, when we say on the one hand, I don't approve of this, but then on the other hand, we show support by attending a wedding ceremony, I think that we're showing a double-mindedness. And I think that we're showing that maybe we're waffling on this issue. And I don't think that's loving. I, I, don't, I actually think it confuses people more than anything. Um, if I say on the one hand, I think this is a sin, but then I'm going to come celebrate you in what I believe to be your sin. I think it's really confusing for people. Now, listen, not showing up to a wedding to that person is going to feel like it's really unloving. But as a Christian, sometimes we have to be willing for people to think that we're unloving because we're standing in the love of Christ. As a Christian, sometimes we have to be willing to do things that other people think are hateful, but we know that we're standing in the love of Christ. It's hard to do, um, but, it, but it's necessary sometimes. And I think this is one of those situations where it's necessary. So somebody asked, again, uh, family relationships here. Um, you know, what about a family member? Again, so the, the question specifically here is, how do I initiate a conversation with my family member who's living this lifestyle? When is the right time to do that? Um, there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for this question. I think, once again, you start with prayer and with asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. Um, if you... If you are willing to have spiritual conversations with your family member that don't even 
address homosexuality, that could very naturally lead to a bridge to that conversation. That can naturally lead to them saying, okay, listen, we're talking about Jesus. Let's just go there. And they might say, what, what do you think about me? Right? What do you think about this lifestyle that I've chosen to live? So you could just try to bridge that conversation with other spiritual things. Um, you could just wait for them to ask you, although I, that's not what I would primarily do. I, I, if you love somebody enough, then at some point you're going to be willing to, to share with them what you believe to be the truth. This does not mean that you wait for the opportunity to bash them over the head with your Bible, okay? It doesn't mean that you wait for the perfect opportunity to pounce. It means that, and, and this is what I think you should do. You should know your family member well enough to not try to have this conversation when tensions are high. If they come to you in anger and they're like, oh, you Christians are so judgmental and so hypocritical. Why do you hate us so much? that's probably not the right time to be very clear about what the Bible says about homosexuality. I'm not saying it's, it's absolutely not the right time. I'm just saying you got to be wise. You got to be wise to not have a conversation when somebody is not in the right frame of mind to have that conversation. So maybe you just talk to your family member and you say, there are some things that are really heavy in my heart that I'd love to talk to you about that you probably expect that I want to talk to you about. And, and I'd love to do that over dinner. I'd love to do that when we're both calm, when we're both level-headed. If they come to you in anger, that's when you say, I, I want to talk to you about this, but I don't want to do it in anger. I want to do it with love and with kindness and with gentleness. Can we do this when tensions are not so high? Um, there's not going to be a billboard that flashes, and you know this. There's not going to be a billboard that flashes that says, today is the day. This is when you have the conversation. Um, but I also think that we shouldn't have the perspective of when's the right time to have that one conversation. Obviously we need to have the first conversation, but we need to be clear with our family members and friends and coworkers that we want this to be an ongoing conversation. Um, that's why I said earlier, if your child comes to you with this, maybe the first thing you say is, I want to think about this. I, I want to pray about this. I love you. And I want you to know most of all that I love you and then come back and have the conversation later. There's all kind of different scenarios that can play out here. Pray for wisdom. Um, try to have these conversations at a time and in a way when you think they're going to be most receptive to listen to you. Not necessarily most receptive to agree with you because they probably won't, but at least most receptive to listen to you. Um, pray that the Lord would open the door. Pray that the Lord would lead this person to come and just ask you what you think, right? Um, the, the Lord can, can work miracles in this way and, and pray before you have the conversation that the Lord would go before you. Um, there's not going to be an easy time to have it. If you're waiting for a day and a time where you go, Oh, this, this is, this will be easy. I should do it now. Like, I think this is the right time. That's probably not going to come. It's always going to be difficult. Uh, especially when it comes to family, I would actually say the longer you wait, the harder it's probably going to get. Um, and if, and if it has been a long time and you've not said anything, maybe you kind of start the conversation with, I'm really sorry. I haven't loved you enough and had the courage enough to talk to you about this before, but I really would like to talk to you about it now because I, because I do love you and because I've not wanted to break our relationship because I don't want to walk away from this, but I at least want you to hear me out. I at least want you to know um, what I think is true here and what I think is, is best here. So I hope that helps. Again, if I'm not hitting the exact nuance that you were looking for, please follow up with a question. I'd love to take some more of those. One more question kind of along these lines is, you know, uh, what's the application of this, right? Like, how does this play out in real life with friendships, work relationships? How do I share my perspective without judging? That's a specific question, I think. How do I share my perspective without judging? Um, so, and it, 
I want to be clear about something. Jesus says in Matthew 7, right, don't judge lest you be judged. And people use that verse all the time. But then if you read on, Jesus actually tells us how to judge rightly. So we actually are commanded to judge. Like read on in Matthew 7 and Jesus says, um, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly how to take the speck out of your brother's eye, right? You'll actually be able to judge them rightly once you humble yourself and deal with your own sin first. So we are actually called to judge, but we're called to judge rightly and with love, not be judgmental as the world thinks, not on your high horse, but we are to judge with right and righteous and holy and loving judgment. So um, I think that's an important distinction, but, but how do I share my perspective without coming off as judgmental is probably a good way to ask that question without this person thinking that I'm just trying to get in their business and condemn them. And, and how do I do that? Cause that that's an important question. Um, it's probably getting harder and harder to do that. If, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, the culture is moving more and more towards acceptance on this issue and Christians are becoming more and more in the minority on this issue. So it's, in some situations, there are some people that no matter what you say, no matter how you say it, um, if Jesus himself bodily appeared and had this conversation with these people, they would reject him. Uh, there are some people like that out there, not because they necessarily are this, this most terrible person on the face of the planet Earth, but because they're blind in their sin. And they actually think that they are doing the right thing. And they actually think that they are um, righteous. And they think that you are actually wicked and evil because they believe that you're, you're trying to control people and manipulate people with religion. Religion. I'm not saying all that to be overly negative, but I, I want to set the expectation that there are some people that are just not going to listen. That doesn't mean you don't speak, that, that we still are supposed to speak. Jesus spoke to people who rejected him, right? Um, and, and we should not shy away from those conversations. But if I can maybe put a positive spin on it, I, I think you just do it with humility. I think that you look for opportunities to have spiritual conversations. Um, if, if you're dealing with coworkers and, and friendships and neighbors, again, I, I sort of touched on this on Sunday. Maybe I'll parse it out a little bit more. I don't think our primary focus, if we know somebody who's living a homosexual lifestyle, I don't think our primary focus should be, how do I work in a conversation about the Bible's view of homosexuality? I think your, your question is, how do I work in the gospel? I mean, we don't do this with anything else, right? We don't, if somebody is a habitual liar, right? We don't, Th spend all night trying to think of how am I going to talk to them about what the Bible says about lying? We just want to share the gospel with them. We just want to love them, right? We're not going to, we're not going to be repulsed by them. We're not going to walk away from them. Um, we're going to, we're going to encounter them in certain ways because we know what their sin is maybe, but we're, we're going to still love them unconditionally and we're still going to try to give them the gospel. So sometimes I think we overthink this and we try to say, what am I going to say that convinces them that, that homosexuality is a sin? I don't think that's our ultimate goal. We should be willing to have that conversation, but that's not what we lead with. That's not our ultimate goal. We lead with Christ. We lead with the gospel, right? Because if I've got, if I'm putting a burden on myself to make sure that I address everybody's unique sin, um, I'll never get to the gospel. <laughs> and that's the whole point. Um, yes, we want to talk about sin. And if they ask you, answer the question, don't shy away from it. I had somebody point blank ask me one time, I was working at Carabas, he point blank asked me as we were rolling silverware if I thought he was going to hell because he was homosexual. And I was 18 years old at the time, and I don't remember everything I said, but I tried my best to just simply say, I don't 
think that you would ultimately go to hell just because you're homosexual. I think everybody who's a sinner and doesn't repent and put their faith in Christ goes to hell. Um, and I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for you. And I, and I said something like, I'm less interested in talking about homosexuality and I'm more interested in talking about Jesus and what it means to follow him and have a relationship with him. Then later on, as a part of the discipleship process, you can get deeper into the weeds of homosexuality, right? So I hope that's helpful in that question. Um, the truth is you're going to come off as judgmental no matter how loving you are to some people because the world has a different idea of judgmental than we do. The world has a different idea of love than we do. And we shouldn't expect any differently, right? Paul's pretty clear that we shouldn't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. We, we shouldn't be surprised when the world doesn't understand the things of God. Paul says the natural man, the unsaved man doesn't understand spiritual things because their eyes haven't been opened to spiritual things. So you pray that the Lord would open their eyes. You try to give them the gospel because that's what will open their eyes to spiritual issues, right? Um, so yes, be willing to talk about homosexuality and what the Bible says, but the primary focus is the gospel. The primary focus is making sure that you point people to Jesus. Okay. We are uh, already pretty deep into this podcast and we got a few more questions to address here. Um, there was a, a question, there were two questions that were actually asked twice. And so I want to deal with those. Uh, the first one is, what about single people in the church, right? Because on Sunday, when I talked about homosexuality, I, I started by talking about God's design for marriage. And I said something like, you know, it's a good desire for a man or a woman to desire a spouse. That's a God-given desire. And I stand by that. I believe that's a scriptural principle. That does not mean in any way, shape, or form that single people are somehow less than. That does not in any way, shape, or form mean that single people are second-rate citizens in the kingdom of heaven. Paul is very clear that singleness is a gift from the Lord. Paul actually at one point says, I wish you all were like me, single. I wish you all were not, um, were not married so that you didn't have to be so concerned with how to please your spouse, right? Because it's a good and righteous thing to be concerned with your spouse. But when you're single, your, your time and your energy is freed up to focus solely on serving the Lord. Now, be clear, I think serving our spouse is serving the Lord. Um, so Paul's not trying to like pit married and single people against each other. He's just trying to be very clear about the fact that just because you're not married doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. doesn't mean that, that, that there's anything wrong with you or that there's anything that you're less than. Um, you are just as valuable in the kingdom of heaven as somebody who's married. And I think sometimes you may think I'm saying this in a way that's kind of weird, but there are some churches that communicate in some ways that make single people feel like they are less than if they're not married. And, and I, there may be times that I'm guilty unintentionally of, of focusing so heavily on married people that single people feel excluded. And I'm sorry if I do that. I apologize if, if I've ever made a single person feel less than or feel like they can't do as much or be as important. I don't believe that for a millisecond. Um, it just so happens that the majority of people that we deal with, majority of adults are married, but that doesn't mean anything other than that's just what God's plan for them has been. Um, there, there are many people in this world in churches who God's plan for them is to be single. Sometimes it's to be single for a season. Sometimes it's to be single for the rest of their lives. And, and the Lord is more than enough for them. You don't need a spouse to be happy. You don't need a spouse to have the joy of the Lord, right? Uh, getting married doesn't unlock, suddenly unlock parts of the Lord that you just didn't have access to before you got married, right? Now, getting married gives you unique blessings and perspectives and all these kinds of things, but it's but it does not 
add to your sanctification in a, in, in a way. It doesn't make you a better Christian necessarily, right? Um, so I think we need to be careful with our language here. We need to celebrate the single people in our church. We need to support them. We need to make sure that they're loved on because um, for many of them, they do go home to an empty house and it is difficult and they have these desires that they wonder why the Lord's not fulfilling sometimes. For many other single people, they don't have these desires and the Lord has gifted them with the opportunity to go through life single, to be completely focused on and dedicated to the Lord without these other matters of family life and having a spouse that they need to be concerned about. There's a lot of things that um, I can talk about um, on this issue, but I just think those are some important things to say. Um, in saying that God's design is for one man and one woman to be joined together in marriage, I'm not saying that single people are outside of God's design. Okay, maybe that will be a clear and succinct way to say that. I'm not suggesting that at all, um, and I apologize if I gave that impression with saying that. <clears throat> Another question that was asked twice was, what about sex outside of marriage, right? So we're talking about the sin of, of homosexual uh, lifestyles. We're talking about the sin of sexual relationships and homosexual relationships. What about sex outside of marriage? Absolutely. That is sexual immorality too. So when we say, this is why I started with God's design, because if all I do is say, well, homosexuality is a sin, then that gives the opportunity for people to say, well, what about all the other sexual sins that Christians commit? Absolutely. We should condemn those too. Um, sexual immorality is not just homosexuality. It's any sexual intimacy that is outside of the one man, one woman marital relationship. And this is a very, very difficult thing to talk about in today's culture. Somebody who asked the question said, it, it's becoming a very pervasive issue and it's, it's mainstream even with Christians, and it can be just as hard to talk about with Christians as, as homosexuality is. And I agree with that. And that's a sad reality. Um, if homosexuality is being more and more accepted in the culture, I mean, we're further along with the acceptance of premarital sex. And, and that's a sad reality. I mean, it used to be kind of understood in premarital counseling that you should not be uh, engaging in sexual in intimacy before marriage. Nowadays, you almost have to clarify that with every couple that, that you do premarital counseling with. And in some cases, it's difficult because they're already engaged in that and you kind of have to go, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about why, even though you're engaged to be married, um, you've not yet entered the covenant of marriage and it would be a sin for you to engage in this, uh, in this kind of intimacy. Um, and this is not because God's a killjoy. This is not because God does not want his people to experience the gift of sexual intimacy. He does, but he wants them to do it in his design. And his design for that is one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. We referenced the passage on Sunday where it says that Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. Um, they had sexual intimacy with one another. They had been joined together in marriage. And, and one preacher jokingly said, you know, uh, nobody would have had to tell Adam and Eve what sexual intimacy looked like. Um, they were naked in the garden and it wouldn't have taken them very long to figure out what to do, right? Um, I'm not going to say any more than that, just in case there happen to be some young ears listening. But um, I think this is something that is a part of God's design. Um, sexual uh, intimacy is a gift from the Lord. It was God's idea, right? Um, but it is only to be engaged with on God's terms. And so we need to be clear about this. It's a message that is becoming faded in the church. Um, and it's a message that we should not shy away from, the message that we should speak the truth in love on. 
very difficult issue. Sometimes I've seen people get angrier about this than about the issue of homosexuality, and it should not be the case. Uh, the scriptures are clear about what God's design for marriage and sexual intimacy are. And somebody will say, this may be my last point on this question, Somebody will say, well, you know, what's the big deal? There's no Bible verse that says thou shalt not have sex before marriage. Uh, no, but there are Bible verses that say the marriage bed should be held in high honor. Um, there are Bible passages that talk about the fact that this is the, the mar marriage is the point where you are a one flesh union, right? Um, there are clear Bible passages and, and God's design is very, very clear that this is meant for marriage and for marriage only. And so we need to be clear about this as well. Um, let's see here. I believe I have answered all of the questions. Um, I'm just scrolling through here to make sure that I did not miss anything. Um, if I did, I'm so sorry. I tried to keep the questions right in front of me on a list, but they kind of came in at different times. And so I had to make sure and organize them. If I missed your question, was not intentional, make sure you resend it to me and I'll address it in next week's episode. And as I said, if I answered your question, but I did a terrible job answering your question, you're not going to hurt my pride by saying, Kenny, it wasn't really what I was asking. Can you please answer the question in this way? I would love to do that at the beginning of next week's episode as well. I haven't talked about this in a few weeks, but I would love it if you shared the podcast. Um, I, you know, I love doing this as one of my uh, joys in ministry is getting to share God's truth in formats like this. So would you text, text it to somebody, share it on social media? One of the best ways to share it is if you would go and give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Um, if you would do that, just take, it takes less than five minutes. Just give a couple sentences about why you like the podcast. It helps other people find it as well. I'm going to try to link to the sermon from this past Sunday in the show notes, just in case you missed that and you want to listen to the sermon itself, uh, you'll be able to do that. Um, we had some trouble with the live stream on Sunday, so some of you missed a few minutes of the sermon. We have the whole thing up now on our website and our Mission Way mobile app, so I will link to that. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for the questions. Uh, some of them may not have been easy to ask. Some of them are personal in nature, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to send those in. I hope you'll continue to do that throughout this series. Hope you have a great week. This has been another episode of Hold Fast, and Lord willing, I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. God bless.